0: This week's host Richard Wolinsky.
1: Welcome to Open Book. I'm Richard Wolinsky. Today we present the conclusion of a two-part program. My guest is Gary Marshall, whose memoir is titled "My Happy Days in Hollywood." Gary Marshall co-authored it with his daughter, Laurie Marshall, and they had also co-authored an earlier book, Wake Me When It's Funny. Gary Marshall is the director of such films as Pretty Woman, Overboard, Beaches, Frankie and Johnny, more recently Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, television writer, and I guess showrunner as well, Happy Days, Mork and Mindy, Laverne and Shirley, writer on The Odd Couple, has written several plays and has been an actor in his career. Gary Marshall, when you've started working and suddenly you've got your male and female characters and
2: they kiss and you go, no chemistry. What do you do? You got to do it before that. That's too late already. You do it in the screen tests early on. You do. We did uh, seven different men screen tested with Anne Hathaway. And the whole test scene was rigged to kiss. I said, Annie, you gotta kiss seven guys. Let me see them. I'll see if I can do that. She liked it. And we watched all the kissing and, uh, we chose Chris Pine, who became uh, a star because that was chemistry. Usually you try to do it a little before you let the actors, uh, feel out. Some can act it, I must say, but most can. It just has to be a chemistry. And, uh, that's why it's hard to be an actor, <laughs> I
1: will say. At the same time, it also means that casting, when you're done casting, in a way, you've done half the job.
2: Yes, casting is the key to everything. You get the right people, you got a shot. You get the wrong people. And even there, they're wonderful people and they're good actors, but it just doesn't gel there. Some things work on the big screen, some work on the television screen, some work in the theater. That doesn't work on the screen. So it's a very tricky business. It's it's not an exact science, as they say. You've got a trial and error.
1: This one sequence, an opera sequence in Pretty Woman, which was actually filmed in L.A., did that mean that you just constructed that one piece where they were above the stage and then the stage, and that was the only part that existed, or was the stage from a completely different theater?
2: You didn't mention I direct opera, too. I'm not an expert, but I love doing that. It's a whole different uh, medium. But in that, it was all San Francisco's fault. We were rigged to shoot at the San Francisco Opera House, and lo and behold, a couple of weeks before, there was an earthquake here, and it took out the windows, and it made the San Francisco Opera unsafe. And what are you going to do? You can't stop. So we had a wonderful set designer, Albert Brenner, who I used many times, built just the uh, part of the opera against a studio wall, and there was nothing underneath. There were men in tattoos moving <laughs> equipment underneath. But they did it up there, and uh, then I, I was required to shoot down. Uh, Marty Scorsese did it with a religious picture. A lot of shooting down saves a lot of money. So we got shot down on the opera and uh, shot up at them, and there's no wide <laughs> shot tying it in. And uh, I would have much preferred the San Francisco opera, and we used uh, some place in the uh, music center as a uh, made, believe, the lobby of the opera.
1: When you've got partial sets, is it easier or harder? I mean, there's been a lot of green screen stuff. Does that make it much more difficult for you as a director to deal with green screen rather than a set?
2: Green screen is easier. I I mean, you don't have to do crazy sets and be limited. You can shoot anything green screen. A lot of people don't know how to do it, but it's getting better and better. My son, who the only one in the family who actually went to film school, (laughs) shoots beautiful green screen for both myself and my sister Penny. And uh, he shoots it well, but it can be done. uh, Once the act is accepted, and uh, many of them do know it's part of the the digital age and the green screen age and you know all those explosions you can't have people there right, yeah. you could get hurt there
1: gary marshall you you give some examples of things that just happen serendipitous moments but obviously over you know 40 50 years you can't give every can you give an, a couple of examples of those great moments that happen to you that aren't in the book
2: my sister and Cindy Williams were writers at the time I needed something on Happy Days I came up with a thought of Fonzie and Richie dating girls from the other side of the tracks we were late and we didn't have time for big casting so I went and got Penny and Cindy I said come you'll act and they acted and uh, they did this scene and uh I think even the cameraman said, you know, this is a heck of a shot. This two shot, Penny and as a bottle cap is from the factory. And suddenly I saw, well, there's a show. And I, I made a show for them, and it was uh, quite successful. Same thing with uh, Mork and Mindy. My son wouldn't watch Happy Days. He was seven, six and a half. The girls loved Happy Days. They didn't want to watch. I said, Why don't you want to watch Happy Days, Scotty? And he said, There's no uh space people, nobody's from the moon or Mars. I like space. I like Star Wars. I said, But you can't, it's fifties. You can't put a spaceman in it and like any young kid they know. It could be a dream. <laughs> they know what the dream looks like. The screen gets all bleh, music, and it's a dream. And uh, that's when we created Mork. It was just to try to get my son to watch my work. We created Mork, and that became a hit. And, in movies, uh, I remember clearly on Pretty Woman, we screen tested all these guys to be with Julia because nobody knew really who Julia was so much she wasn't going to carry the picture. And so we tested this one, that one, until I couldn't figure out what made her magical. So I tested her with Charles Groen, a friend of mine who's very funny. And I told him, basically, he's going to do the scene, but he's going to ad-lib, and he's going to try to blow you out of the scene, right. try to hold your own. And that screen test was like a magical thing. She held her own, and I remember so clearly calling uh, the head of the studio and say, you know, we're so worried about who's going to be the guy. I don't think we should worry so much. I think I know how to make this girl happen and where she is at and what's going to make her charming and funny. And uh, that was a big moment for me.
1: Well, the big thing about Julia Roberts was that when she laughed, <laughs> the universe lit up. Yes. For reasons, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you saw that happen and you suddenly went like that?
2: The first days we were shooting, and uh, she didn't laugh as an actress. She just laughed as Julia. <laughs> it was a simpler time. Uh, I directed the two of them later, Runaway Bride, et cetera, but this was simpler. And they, it was uh, a a time. They both were not big stars, and uh, Richard was, but back and forth. And I remember she laughed, and Richard and I just looked at each other and said, you know, we don't have enough of that in the script. And she says, well, I was just laughing. It doesn't say laugh. I said, no, we'll find ways to make you laugh. (laughs) And uh, we started to do that, and she didn't walk well in high heels, which is important what you're going to do. A hooker doesn't have to, but uh, the the star of a movie does. And I remember uh, dancing with her and trying to get her used to the heels. And once she really dressed up in that red dress and smiled, We knew we were home with something special.
1: It seemed like for that movie, there was a lot of spontaneity. The snail that flies through the air. The, the guy just reached up and caught it?
2: I do physical comedy. I worked for Lucy, remember. That right. I taught what Lucy taught me to Levert and Shirley. So I know physical. But what was interesting is they thought that scene in this fancy restaurant was going to be about the mogul taking over the shipyards. And I said, I don't think so. I think it's about... This kid never being in a fancy place. And she really hadn't eaten snails. But then when she did it, she slipped and she threw it. But she didn't see... A lot of times she didn't know what was funny. And I said, no, it'll be all right. She said, I look silly. Then she went to the movie and she called... I had the way to catch it. We shot that a different day. So she... Then she That's funny when he caught it. <laughs> so it, it kind of uh, evolves and uh, we figure it out as we do it. But you try to get those moments to work and some work uh, bigger, better than the others. Uh, and she always had that... Tense thing because we're always doing jokes with her. She was in the bathtub and she, she suddenly went under the water and I cleared the set. The crew, everybody ran out of set. She came up, nobody was there. So she laughed and laughed and then we couldn't get it in the scene, but she was waiting for the next thing to happen. So uh, she was always there in, in all the takes and, uh, uh, that made her very special.
1: Well, you play a lot of pranks in your, on your film sets and that's just to keep things loose, right?
2: Yeah, you know, sometimes actors are not uh, so different than children, and I work with mostly young. And uh, young, you have to keep them uh, from being bored. So I make up pranks, I make up games, I have all sorts of things going on.
1: Gary Marshall, it, it sounds that even though it's you know twenty four seven and you're going nuts, there's also something about being in a film. And I've, I've been an extra in a couple of films. There's something magical about being in that world. It's like you've entered this other space, and nothing quite tops that feeling.
2: No, it is surreal. It it, it varies between magical and boring. So in between, <laughs> you get a shot once while because it's so, uh, uh you know, so many people involved. You know, write a piece of paper, pencil I could write. So leave right me alone. Here. But uh, in film, you got to have the cameras work, the dollies work, the actors work, everything work at once. And more and more now we do handheld and steadicam. So, you know, you don't get a chance to just lock in on a shot. So it, it takes a little bit of work and you got to do it over and over again. But when you get it, you, you know you got it, and it is a different world. Even you, from the extras to everybody, they they help you. They get in there. There's always two that overact. We spot them right away on the fake take before the stars come, and then we we do it. And uh, when it works, it's wonderful. And when it doesn't, it's it's kind of depressing. But you got to do it again. The fake take we do a take that we they think they're going to do a take and we just want to see what everybody's going to do <laughs> okay. and we do it with the second take meaning not the uh Real actors, the stand ins for the actor. And we do that till we see all the craziness that's going to happen in this car. And this extra takes his hat off and throws it in the middle of the scene. And I would say to somebody, the guy who just threw his hat up in the air, let's work him a different day, let him leave, (laughs) let the next, that's his. Okay, we got all calm people. Let's go. That's why I truly hire. A lot of my relatives and a lot of people I know as day players because they don't get crazy. I learned from Bergman, uh, who used to keep the – there was only four people on the island, right. so they all had to be in the movie. So I have my crowd that I use. Uh, they call them Fogs, and friends of Gary, who <laughs> I've used before, and they always come through, and so, they're very fun.
1: So one of the reasons it's not really nepotism, it's basically a matter of trust.
2: Trust and self-protection. my uh, use my kids, my family. Uh, Penny uses me. We use each other. If something is uh, difficult, we're never going to call our agent And overboard, at Coast Guard ship, there had to be one sailor out at the bow of the ship. And it was dangerous. The Coast Guard said, no, we never put anybody out there. I said, I got to put somebody out there. So I had to pick my son, and we literally tied him to the rail of the ship with ropes, and I shot above the ropes, and uh, he did all the lines when Goldie Hawn jumped in the water. Oh, Hell of a day it. at sea, sir, and all of that. <laughs> it was my son because he, he wouldn't call his agent. He, he would call his mother if it got too tricky, but he didn't call his mother at all. He just did it. The last
1: movie you did was um, New Year's Day. You working on another movie yet? Well, if you
2: make money with a movie, they don't let you alone. And uh, New Year's Eve did very well uh, internationally. Uh did okay domestically. Critics didn't like it. But one guy wrote, funny though, I like funny. He wrote, New Year's Eve was what a lot of stars get out of a clown car. He <laughs> said, that's what he described. But so what? It it did well. And uh They wanted now as we sit and talk. uh, A script about mothers is on my desk. I don't know. I don't want to do Mother's Day, but mothers always interested me different kind because I like to do women thing. But there's a couple other scripts, and we'll see. I like television now. Television is much better creatively than the movies because you can do more uh, in television. Home box office, Showtime, all the channels, Lifetime, USA. It's not the same Deal and uh, they fool the public. You know, uh, internet is like six percent of revenue in the whole business. But they say internet is taking over. Uh, uh, The other channels are not killing anybody, but they're doing all right. But uh, there's so many different uh, venues to sell something now that it's good for creative people in television.
1: So, what are you looking at? You're looking at being a showrunner or just creating a show and turning it over to someone else?
2: Well, I have to be there, but I don't have to. You know, when you put a staff together, people don't know this, but I'm (laughs) telling you. You hire certain writers who you know are no good after six o'clock. You gotta send them home. Then you got the other writers who can make it till midnight one or two in the morning. So you got to get a bunch of the midnight riders with the six o'clock riders so you can get a a, a staff together. I'm no longer a midnight guy, but I think I can show run till six and then turn it over to the other guys. So I'm creating some stuff. I'm trying to create one about my own family, about Penny growing up who had an interesting uh, uh, childhood because I had uh, left for Korea. My other sister Ronnie went to Northwestern. Penny was Grew up uh, alone at home for a while in New York. So it's all a matter of, uh, you know, making different characters, and hopefully I can sell some.
1: You're listening to an interview with Gary Marshall, who, with his daughter Laurie Marshall, has written a memoir, My Happy Days in Hollywood. You've also been on the other side of the camera as an actor. You've talked about how each different actor, like Pacino, might take a half hour to prepare, and someone else might take five minutes.
2: Well, he does not take you to prepare. He just does a lot of takes. He likes to do so many takes that he's not acting anymore. And he does it beautifully. But he hits it, you know, he hit it. You can tell. Uh, But different process. When I'm an actor, I'm a four or five take guy, and I try to do it. But I act because I like to know what the actor's going through what the bad things are, when the director's not nice or whatever, and when it doesn't work out so well. uh, I try to keep up with the current guys. Louis C.K., I'm doing a show for him. I'm an act. So I learned something what they're doing. They're doing digital, and now everybody's moving the camera around, and you get dizzy sometimes. But the kids are used to being dizzy. They're dizzy already from doing their thumbs and looking down. So it's a different world, and if you don't adjust and change, uh, you, you don't work.
1: When you're writing scripts working at that, you can't write a play about somebody disappearing if there's GPS, social networking, texting, cell phones, and all of that. You're stuck. You can't. Nobody disappears.
2: No, I mean it's still the police are even using it all. So uh, I think a historical uh, basis of stories. I mean uh, I know two uh, Houdinis are coming out, and uh, it was already in ragtime the Broadway show. But I think a very good business now is uh, theater. I have my own theater in Burbank, uh, 134 seats. What we do a whole season and live theater. I, I love, but you can do movies based on either cartoons comic book characters who fly, and uh, people who uh, are, are historical. They, but with historical, you got to get English actors a lot. Right. <laughs> because <laughs> they do it better. It's as simple as that. So uh, I have never really got into that uh, too much, but who knows? I could do different uh, period pieces. Is interesting. It just costs a lot
1: right well you've got green screen which cuts the volume yeah yeah you can build
2: the castle behind them
1: right still you're seeing more on tv like that yeah
2: yeah well tv does it uh green screen and now they they shoot less days it's becoming so financially to be financially sound that it sometimes uh, over-shapes the, the picture you want to make. But, you know, there's ways to do it. I used to, as a producer, I learned to cut. I could cut scenes. Another thing, I'm doing Fonzie on jury duty, right? We build the whole thing. We have no room to build a jury room. There's no jury room. Well, we can't do the episode. No, no, no. You can always do it in the middle of Fonzie on jury duty. They're in the courtroom. The judge says, adjourn to the jury room. A man comes across with a bucket of paint, and he whispers to the judge. The judge said, the jury room is being painted. The jury will meet here. We'll <laughs> meet, he Nobody wrote a letter. <laughs> we say $15,000 on a set. The show went smooth. You can always fix it. But a lot of times it's hard. hard. The game is how do you compromise well? If you compromise very, very well, you get a wonderful artistic picture. You compromise okay, you don't do so good. You compromise very badly, you get jumped to shock. That's the way it works. (laughs) (laughs) Gary
1: Marshall, have you ever given thought to writing novels?
2: I tried everything because I'm very interested in in, uh, all the arts, how to do this, and uh, that. uh, I I tried writing short stories in school. But I, I never got to, to do it because I, as I was writing, I saw it in my head. I would see it, and so, and I liked to see it. But you don't see the same. I worked with a partner, Jerry Buzzer, for years. And we would once in a while write, and then we'd say to each other, how do you actually see it doing? And we never saw the same thing. You saw it come from here, and you walk over. I said, no, that's why I said directing is good to get more more control, so I never did a, a a novel. My daughter Lori, who wrote the book with me, was the journalism student. I wasn't. She was graduated in Northwestern with honors. I I had four Pulitzer Prize winners in my class, not in the school, in my in class. Your class, in my class, and they wrote very well. But I noticed whenever the teacher read papers out loud, they'd ask. Read Gary's, they'd say, because mine was a little crazy and a little funny. And so I said, maybe that's a way to go. Screenplay writing seemed to be comfortable uh, uh, for me. And the whole thing is to figure out what you're good at and what your strength is. And, and my strength, even when I was writing short stories, etc., was in the dialogue. And uh, I figured with the dialogue on paper was pretty good. If you've got, like, a great actor to say it, it would even be better so I, I did a lean toward doing that
1: gary marshall you say you're not political but your wife is but i mean you you have your politics
2: Do you well get... you've got to vote it's a part <laughs> <of> <laughs> and i would life. assume
1: that if you don't, unless you're fighting with your wife you're probably a democrat as well
2: well she she uh, uh, dictates what we are yes Actually, my family, uh, my father was a Republican, but we switched to Democrat when I got
1: there. Well, the political scene in America has gotten really strange because the Republicans have moved so far right that I think a lot of former Republicans are now either independent or Democrat. Do you think about the state of the country, or are you just busy working, doing your thing in Hollywood?
2: No, you know, you, you underestimate the power of television and movies, you know. I was in Germany, uh in Munich, doing something, doing some publicity thing, and I got back to the hotel, and there was a crowd there. And I, I said, who's here? And they said, you! <laughs> <laughs> and they had all pictures of my movies and the free yeah. woman and all of them, they had everything. So I think you have to have a certain kind of consciousness to what you're putting out there and what people are doing. Now, they always say, Hollywood all left and there, but then there's that whole right thing. There's a, so many movements. One of the there's you know, kids who were on TV shows when they're young and grew up. So one kid, I think he's from uh, Growing Pain, said something about the gays and the thing. Now, the other kids who are on TV shows now have a committee, and they're protesting that. So everything is, in a way, political, and uh, you have to realize that the economy is not the best, so you don't want to ever have characters who are arrogantly rich or throwing it around. The key to a lot of, of stories is rooting interest. You know, you didn't, you didn't even in the caveman days. The right. guy didn't come in, and told the story you got about a guy with the best cave who didn't lose it. He had another best cave. Nobody likes that story. <laughs> so you got to be careful of who you're trying to do. And the political climate keeps changing. Now, coming from the Tonight Show, I learned to write. I can write Mitt Romney jokes. I know right. all the jokes, but but I I think the work. Is uh, really part of the political scene, and now the right is going so far you can't do this. That censorship is is even more so. Uh, what scares people like me more is the new move. I think I don't know what state it is. I don't want to pick on a state, but now they can take my movies and, without my knowledge, edit them and take out anything that's too smutty. And uh, even though we were censored already, right. they can take it out. That's a little scary that they can, you say, what's the best part? I like the editing. Now, political people are editing right. your stuff, and that's a little bit scary, i got to say. Gary Marshall, did you plan to write a second memoir? Well, this is two. Right, first a third other, memoir. A third one. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I said a lot in this, and I went through a lot of, and this, but you never know. Uh, my daughter is still a good writer. She writes a lot. She ghosts things. I don't know. I may. I really think I'd like to, to try now and, uh, do television and movies. And, and again, I, uh, to go and do something different, like to go do an opera, is kind of like a vacation. You do a whole, a whole thing and, the the, I don't know how many opera, band you have, but they, they say to you Aproposito Domingo, who's a big guy, he said it's gonna not work out for up unless we get film directors in, right? right? So I'm one of the film directors, and I have Woody Allen did it, uh, Bill Freakin, and we're trying to get other film directors to do it, and uh, I remember him talking to James Cameron, we're both publicizing something, so I said... James, you would be great. You know, I do two people in a room. You do blue people flying and <laughs> carrying on. I never saw such carrying on. I said, you know, I did this one opera, uh, The Grand Duchess of Jealousy in Offenbach, right, who also did the can-can. Look at him with a mixed-up career. But I had 86 people on the stage for the first act curtain coming up. I said, it was so exciting. I said, and and what I really thought of, James, is that... I wouldn't have to shoot it. There it was. The curtain. Yay! They applauded. And he he looked at me and said, well, you know, if I don't shoot it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> and I was, well, there goes live theater I, out the window, James. But I quickly came back and said, but... You do 3-D, you can do a 3-D opera. That would be uh, sensational. He said, that's not bad. So I quick told Blas, get James to do it, because he's a brilliant, brilliant man. I, I envy those guys who do that. I, I don't know how to do that, but uh, my son does.
1: You've been listening to the second of a two-part interview with Gary Marshall, whose memoir, written with his daughter, Laurie Marshall, is titled My Happy Days in Hollywood. I'm Richard Walensky for Open Book. For more information about this show, go to bookwaves.com where you'll also find an extended version of this interview. Bookwaves is produced by Richard Walensky in the studios of KPFA Pacifica Radio in Berkeley, California.
0: It's time for the 15th Annual Progressive Festival, Sunday, July 22nd at Walnut Park, downtown Petaluma. Featuring Tony Award-winning San Francisco Mime 2 performing for The Greater Good or The Last Election. Speakers include Medea Benjamin, comedian Will Durst, Mickey Huff of Project Censored, C.J. Holmes of Homeowners for Justice, plus speakers from Occupy Petaluma and the Committee for Immigrant Rights. Network with many progressive organizations with informational booths and enjoy hot tamales, drinks, and other goodies. Here, Calypso, Compa, and other Haitian styles performed by Diego Jamal, The Whistler, co-sponsored by KPFA, Sonoma County Peace and Justice Center, Committee for Immigrant Rights, Project Censored, and others produced by the Petaluma Progressives and Occupy Petaluma. Benefits several nonprofits, wheelchair accessible. For more information, call 707-763-8134 or see progressivefestival.org.